Good day, nerds. This is Megan McCarthy Beyond with another Cantina Conversation. Today we're talking to James Byrne and his novel, The Gatekeeper, comes out June 7th. This one, it was, at first I thought it was a little bit far-fetched and, you know, the main character was a little bit annoying, but um, he grew on me and the uh, storyline got kind of intense. You know, it's a political, like, mystery, suspense, thriller. Politics is, is not the whole thing, but it's a strong part of the storyline. I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed his style of storytelling. And in this conversation, we talk about, you know, his professional background, how it prepared him for writing this novel, how he came up with the ideas and all the research involved. Um, but it was, it was a pretty good conversation. So uh, without further ado, here's James Byrne. So we're here with James Byrne. We're talking about The Gatekeeper um, out June 7th. Uh, James, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to meet with us today. I just finished the book yesterday. And, you know, I will say for sure, thank you for the short chapters. It was really easy to zoom right through. Um, and, you know, it was it, it was quite the thriller. It was quite the ride. So I'm excited to to get in, you know, dive a little bit deeper here today. Awesome. Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so before we get started, how about you go over like a brief synopsis so that people can kind of like follow along with our conversation? Yeah, so the book uh, tells the story of a guy named Desmond Aloysius Limerick. He's called Des by his friends. He's from the United Kingdom. He's a former soldier. And right now he's retired. He's 35 years old. He's got a guitar and a bunch of scars. And he's wandering around the United States having fun and just enjoying himself. But a guy with that skill set that he's got doesn't stay out of trouble long. And the skill set is he's trained to be what... I, um, his unit is referred to as a gatekeeper. He's the guy who can open any door, keep it open as long as necessary, and control who goes in and who doesn't. So that was the premise that I started with. Set the book up in Los Angeles, kept it in California for this first one. And uh, Des is simply a guy who gets into trouble by nosing around where he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he certainly does. He uh, I like I like how you put it. Like he, the guy with his skill set doesn't stay out of trouble for long because that's that's certainly what happens. And I, I really like his personality threw me for a loop. Like at first I was like, I don't know, it was a bit much, but he definitely grew on me. Like, I think just as a reader gets to know him, you know, we see all these different parts of him where yeah, he's got the helpful skills and he's a smart ass. And, but then you see a very empathetic side to him and he's got, he's definitely got his head on straight. Like, you know, professionally, personally, like socially, he's, he's 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 pretty on point um so i he's a very interesting character a very interesting person who uh would fill that type of uh of role in any situation can we go over your background a little bit because this is your debut novel correct i'm come out of um print journalism i live mm -hmm. in portland oregon i've lived in the northwest my whole life i've been a print newspaper guy my whole life and um my it tends to reflect in my fiction because my fiction is is you know, you don't want to use the cliche ripped from the headlines, but I mean, it's <laughs> going on in my books and they're kind of taking place four and a half minutes into the future, sort of. And so um, the things that happen in this book could happen in the, in the world. I should say a lot of the things that happen in this book I wrote two years ago. And so mm. um, in point of fact, actually sort of have come about since I wrote that. Yeah. Uh, mm. I, I don't think you can blame me. I think I have a complete alibi. <laughs> it's some wacky craziness in America. And some of it is a, uh, uh, shows up in this book, uh, but and I wrote it before all that happened. So, mm -hmm. okay, what inspired you to kind of like almost like a two part question? Like, 
what inspired you to to write this like was it you know years in the making because some authors take you know like 10 years to see their book through um and you know did you want to stick to like the suspense thriller genre well I yeah I'm I am very much a mystery writer this is not a traditional this is more of a thriller action thriller but my pivot foot is 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 flat out in the mystery realm and for this story I really wanted to do I mean I I love those single protagonist action adventure books, I, the Lee Child Reacher books. Uh, that stuff is all just terrific. I love all that stuff. Mark Greeny's great. Greg Hurwitz is great. Uh, I think Meg Gardner is great. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about is a lot of these people are fairly serious and doing fairly serious work. And sometimes they, the, the range goes from serious to dour and, and very, very, and I thought, well, what if you were doing a guy who was in that situation who at the end of the day is a goofball? I mean, he's, he doesn't take himself seriously in the least. He certainly doesn't take the bad guys seriously. Um, he takes the job he needs to do seriously. There's a person whose life is in risk. He takes that very seriously. He runs into, at different points in this book, two or three women who are in powerful positions and who are who accomplish good things. And he's very respectful of women who are in positions of power. And he takes them very seriously. And he doesn't try and tell them how to do their job or mansplain their job. But, you know, he's, he's quite, he's quite comfortable in, uh, around women of power. Um, so he's a, he's a serious guy in a serious world, but at the end of the day, he's also just a complete and total goofball. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's taking anything away um, to, to your audience to tell them this, but one of the things that I really love the most is that in these books from time to time, Des uh, gets the opportunity to have sex and he's immediately a 15 year old. Yeah. He's like, oh, that would be awesome. What yeah. <laughs> the least cool dude around women of all time. In which point of fact, all of us are that way, but you don't ever get to see that in an action adventure book. So this guy's like sex. Yeah. You know? <laughs> No, that was a funny part. He was just like, oh, I was, wait. I was like, I thought you never asked. Or like, <laughs> but I, yeah, there are definitely parts of him that are not relatable at all, <laughs> just from his line of work. Um, but it's parts like that where he, you know, it's not like he's letting his guard down because I don't think his guard is ever really up. But yeah, it's parts like that where you can, where he sh- he's just more, you see more of that comfort come out and you see that more of that like, you know, that easiness and that, that goofiness. And, um, you know, cause I haven't read a whole, or watched a whole lot of those, like, you know, um, the guy on a mission type, you know, I don't know what, what you would want to call it, but I guess, which is good. Cause I didn't have much to compare it to, but, um, yeah, I think that's definitely a lot of readers will definitely appreciate does. And, and I love that you, you made it part of his character to just be comfortable with women in power and not to like and he every time he swears he says sorry and they're they're like they're telling him like okay dude like I don't care like don't worry like he's still trying to be a gentleman he's still trying you know he's respecting them but he's it's also that other side of it where the women in power are also you know they're like don't kind of almost like don't treat me like a woman like don't treat me differently because I'm a woman type of thing and he can't help it and he's just like well no like like okay well sorry ma'am or like (laughs) and they're you know they're like okay get on with it like what what else like continue what you're saying (laughs) instead of interrupting yourself to apologize um I love that and so how did you like your professional career from the world of journalism kind of like prepare you for this new project well, a couple of simple ways. And one is that 
I'm fast. And the reason I'm a fast writer is because I've spent a thousand nights in school board meetings and city council meetings taking notes, right? Um, this is really strange, but I write my first draft longhand in a stencil pad. Um, one of these guys. Oh, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> pencil. And uh, I, I can write in the morning, you know, for 10, 20, 30 minutes. Then in the evening after my day job, I could sit down and translate it into the computer. And I can tell right away on the same day, if the passage you wrote in the morning is good mm. or if it's it's dreadful. And sometimes it is. You'll start typing and say, nope, you know what? That did not carry the freight it needed to. Didn't move the plot forward, the character development. It wasn't funny enough. Whatever it was supposed to do, it didn't do trash. And because of that, <laughs> because of my journalism background, um, I am really fast. I can write, uh, my wife thinks this is hilarious. Um, I can write in the in the dentist's waiting room. I can write on buses. <laughs> I can write, uh, uh, just I keep a pad with me and I can generate a little bit of copy wherever I am. And, um, and I never get writer's block because in journalism, we don't call it writer's block. We call it unemployment. <laughs> right. You can imagine that from right. the and saying, the muse is not with me today. I didn't think I can write that story. Yeah. They would just hire you and replace you with a 20 year old. Right. So I'm really fast. I, rec- I can write a book in about three months, uh, which is relatively quickly. Yeah. So that, that's a big chance of it. The other part of it coming out of journalism is that I am not married to my words either. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know what? Those last 40 pages didn't work. They're gone. Get rid of them. Starting over again. And I've learned to listen to that little inner voice that a lot of writers have, but a lot of writers don't yet learn to listen to it. And if a scene isn't right, I'll just say, nope, it's not working. Got to change it. I don't mm. know if it's well, I don't know what I got to change, but I'm changing something. And I try never to be addicted to the first draft I've done. Oh, yeah. I think I read somewhere that the first draft is like, it's just, his job is to exist, like to get it out. And then you go back and then you make your work. You do, you do that second round. You do that, all that magic after the first draft. You, the first draft is just the first draft for sure. Right. My, my first draft looked like a pig's breakfast. It's just horrible. <laughs> I, I literally put the word in brackets, scripto in the first one. He'll walk into the bar, scripto. And that means that sometime down the road, I need to describe the bar. What's it like? What kind of music is it playing? What's the beer like? What are the patrons like? But I don't got to do it in the first draft. I'll get to it. Mm. Right now, my job is to keep moving forward and get to the all important words at the end. Don't yeah. Have, <laughs> so don't it's almost like a, a mix between like an outline and a, and a first draft. It's, you know, because I don't know, I guess like I was curious about like your writing process and, and how if you've had to like switch anything around, if, you know, what were what were like some of the biggest lessons learned as you embarked on this? Like, you know, you kind of switched gears like for your first novel and um, what were kind of like the biggest lessons learned uh, from adjusting or just going through the whole process? A couple of things, and one of which is, this is going to sound really stupid. It's going to sound slightly, vaguely psychotic, but <laughs> I have to like the protagonist. I have to be rooting him on. Mm-hmm. And I did iterations of this book in which Des was an American. He, when he was a cop, a former cop, when he was a criminal, when he was in his late 20s, mid 30s, and his 50s, uh, when he was from like Imperial Valley, California, when he was from New York City. And I tried and I tried, and they were kind of a stern, serious character you know, good fists, no as your gun, tough, tough dude. And I always got bored by about 14 pages into it because mm. I kept, you know, there's about 19 other writers who are writing that guy. Mm. And frankly, they're all really good. And I read them all and I think they're terrific. And I'm not adding anything new. I'm not, I don't even, I don't, I'm not adding anything. So when I realized that Des was from the United Kingdom and that he had an accent, and when I realized uh, he, 
that he was ex-military. And then when I came up with the, the gatekeeper thing, that is a, he's a breach expert, breaching and keeping doors open is his, is his gift. All of a sudden he came into focus. And um, I found myself doing a thing where I would wake up in the morning and think to myself, wow, I put him in a weird situation yesterday. I can't wait to figure out how we get out of it. <laughs> and I was entertaining myself. And if I'm not entertaining myself, I'm in trouble. So that was, that was my big, that was my big discovery is that I didn't want to write what everybody else was writing. Yeah. I wanted to find something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that because, you know, yeah, he is a, definitely a, that different. I like just, you hit it right on the nose there. He's that different kind of character that he's not like serious, you know, I mean, he, he's serious like about things, but he doesn't not like no nonsense he's all he's almost all nonsense (laughs) but remarkably it's just like he everybody underestimates him and I think he prefers it that way he doesn't or he just doesn't care he just knows what he needs to do to get things done and um you know just someone who who would just wisecrack no matter what who would ignore you know the panic of of his comrades um you know someone who isn't really like put off or afraid to ask out a beautiful woman in the elevator. Like he, and he just like, he was like, oh, I couldn't help it. Like, <laughs> and, and he's, you know, he, he goes into situations kind of like he anticipates almost like what might, it, what to expect. He anticipates things that might happen and, and, but goes with it either way. Cause I, I can't imagine he would have, but then, then again, it's like, he could have very well have, been in many similar situations that he finds himself in in this story because he you know he's like well I'm because he's just like well I'm gonna go up there and check it out and they're all like okay what like no please don't he's like no it's fine like he's just like you know because they they law enforcement and they all like they want him to but they're like afraid of like saying okay like they're <laughs> they're like I don't know about this but it's it you know trying to be spoiler free but obviously it it um is not necessarily a bad thing that he went and kind of just he's just acting as like a freelance consultant that um is gets involved even though you know everybody else everybody else's hands are tied um but except for his and he that's the kind of beauty of it um but i just you know but yeah, I love how people kind of like underestimate him and and i like the effort that you put into making him different um and and putting and i don't know how like you know it's like he doesn't have a gun but it's fine like he (laughs) he figures it out somehow and it's so crazy so kind of like going off of that like what kind of research was involved with writing this story or you know when you had to switch things around like going from where he was from or what his previous profession was like I imagine, you know, you're probably not like an expert in, in armed forces or like, you know, you, you pick things up in your career, I, I'm, I'm sure. But like, what, what other things did you have to like research in order to really, um, you know, get the facts right, get things accurate, get things believable? There are in the military circles, uh, people whose job it is to breach doors. That's a, that's an actual thing. Uh, and there's only a handful of ways to get a door open. You can pick it open, you can kick it open, you can blow it open, you can burn it open. So I wanted a guy who had a a background in engineering and and chemistry for the, for that reason, because this, this job, he also, uh, he's not great at it, but he's a mediocre hacker too, Mm. because so many doors are actually electronic doors. And so he's, I wanted him to have this as, although he sounds like a total street 
goofball. He's got, he's also has a higher education background. Um, so I, that did a lot of research on that. And then I really wanted to do a lot of research on, on uh, uh, military. And I did, uh, he's, he's from a, a non-American military unit. I don't identify in this first book what it is. Um, and so I did a lot of research into that realm. And then in early drafts too, I had him carrying guns and shooting guns. And uh, for the sake of your audience, you know that Des is a big fellow. He's he's muscular and really, really put together. Not tall, 5'8", but but kind of a cube of, of well-put-together. <laughs> really good in a fight. And I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, I don't think I want him shooting anybody or carrying guns because him having a gun is like giving Captain America's shield to Superman. I mean, you could, but why? Mm-hmm. Uh, total nerd. That was a Yeah, no, you're in the right place. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah then i had to figure out okay so here's a guy who's going to do all these action adventure sequences but he's not going to carry a gun while he does it so i had to do a bunch of research on that then there's a lot of california politics involved and i had to mm. try and figure out I, I swear to god i was five drafts in this book making reference to the uh, uh california state police before i had a friend read it and say you know there's no such thing as the california state police they don't <laughs> have one they, i didn't know that so i mean i had yeah. to change all of that but uh, and fortunately, I had two people, one who lived in England and one who's from England, who read the book and read my British colloquia, mm. and, uh, helped me with that quite a bit, too, because I'm from the Pacific Northwest. And I obviously don't I only know how people in England speak from watching Doctor Who and, you know, British uh, mysteries. But. Right, right. <laughs> no, I think I've been uh, I've been sucked into some british tv recently i mean i i'm i'm part of the the bridge the bridgerton fandom but also um we we got caught up with ted lasso and that was like you know i i i found it fascinating but yeah those little things that we just don't we're not used to hearing and it was just really funny like having him have conversations with people who have no idea what he's talking about and that, that was, was also fun. like part of the witty dialogue that kind of like that's what I like too it's like this is very fast paced but it's also like you know there are slower parts in there but they were for the plot it was it made sense to slow things down they weren't just like filler or things to like even up the pace it was like no this is a part where we're kind of recapping or we're talk talking about things to figure out what's gonna happen you know what course of action the characters are gonna take and um I just remember like, like plot, you know, reading and reading. And then all of a sudden something happened. I was like, wait, holy shit. Like, wait, what? And so <laughs> I was like, no, like, you know, kept me on my toes a little bit. I, I knew what to expect kind of going into it, but then it, it's great when it still catches me off guard a little bit. I will say I would be remiss in not mentioning that Keith Kayla is the editor of this book. At, okay. At Minotaur, and Keith, Keith is marvelous at doing exactly what you just said. He's really good at saying, do you want the metronome to turn up just a little bit for these pages? And do you want to turn it back down a couple of degrees for these pages? He's the guy who will say, on page 30, you do the scene from so-and-so's point of view. But on page 312, we need someone sort of to know that. Because mm. he can see the book from 30,000 foot level. And Keith is a more, Keith makes me a better writer than I am. Yeah. Otherwise, he's tremendous. Yeah, that's what editors, you know, the, that's from what I hear from authors that I speak to is their editors are like, very good and and you just have to like you know you already said you're not necessarily attached or married to like anything but it's it could be hard because like you have to like do the constructive criticism and you have to trust that they're that's their job they do what they do and that there's a reason why they are you know picking up clients and things like that and 
So it's, um, it's very helpful. I imagine to have someone to be able to like, know that going in to be like, no, okay. Like, let me have it kind of thing. Or, you know, I just kind of like arm's length, all that jazz. How did this experience, you kind of already touched on that, like this experience of writing, you used a lot of your writing processes and your methods, both for like from your journalism background to writing this story. And I thought that I think that's pretty fascinating because I feel like, you know, some people I, I've talked to a couple people who are the same boat who come from like a background of like either, you know, um, journalism or, or research or, you know, even like medicine, but it t- depends on the subject matter, but where they're like, it was hard for them like to, to switch gears and to, you know, when they try to apply the same methods from what they're used to doing to this new form of, uh, you know, written word. Um, so it's really cool to hear you say like, no, I just, I just did the same way and it worked out. And I think it's like remarkable how you say that you're so quick because I don't know any, I don't know any other author that's written something in three months that like, and that where they were just fine with, you know, and that you said like you got, you, you tried out all these things and you still finished it like that quickly to me, that's crazy. <laughs> like very, very well done. So kind of like a two part question again, what, um, what were your favorite parts to write? And then what were like the most challenging parts to write? My the favorite parts for me to write were the ones in which they're, they're not action sequences, but we figure out who Des is and what he's about by who he respects and mm. who he doesn't. Uh, and I don't want to turn off audiences. I'm a, I'm sure. a flaming liberal. Uh, <laughs> and so there are authority figures that Des just immediately wants to poke them in the eyes as he sees them. You know, he's just mm-hmm. like, he's going to make fun of them and he's just going to take them down a peg. And there are other people sometimes who are some like cops, for instance, who he says, no, they're good at what they do. I'm not going to mess with them. So seeing writing who he respects, um, there's a character named Alonzo in the book that he just mm-hmm. immediately, you know, and he just gets the guy is good at what he does. Des doesn't care what it is you do. If you're good at it, and you got, you know, and and you're and you're uh, got loyalty to a person that he has loyalty to, you know, you're his mate, and so that was a lot of fun figuring out from that that meta perception of who who Des likes and who Des respects taught me a lot about Des. So that was my favorite parts, and I enjoy writing action sequences. I'm a former theater geek, and I literally block out and I stage action sequences, uh, and so and choreograph them. Uh, and so th- those are those are all a lot of fun to write. Uh, the stuff that was really hard to write was about the politics because mm. I, I was making a bit of a leap of faith and there's a, there's a master plot by some bad guys of very disparate and unusual backgrounds and trying to weave that thing together in a way that actually made sense. I must have gone through 19 iterations of that. And there was every time it was like, nope, it's the Jenga pile. It didn't quite, didn't quite make it all the way through. You need to start that thing over again. So that was uh, finding that strata, making making sure that structure worked, um, that gantry worked, uh, was was not as much fun and took a lot of research. But at the end of the day, I think it paid off. It did, and I yeah, because the um the whole conspiracy, if I want to use that word, <laughs> the you know the whole plot of the plot, it was um yeah, there was a lot of moving parts, and then like once. But I like how you kind of have the readers like following along with Des and Petra and 
and also if like you you sprinkle in points of view from uh jonesy a little bit where the readers kind of like well wait a second you know does this have to do with that and then the readers connecting the dots with the characters and that's kind of like i guess you could go you know one of two ways of just um either you know the reader is pulled along or getting a little shakespearean with it where the reader knows more than the characters and um it you know you both can be really fun in both you know because it's it's the reader is almost like a part of a part of the big picture and you know it's part of it's part of the fun of it um what kind of like so i really like petra um you know she's a boss ass bitch and I love how Des is just like immediately smitten with her and you know he just their first interactions are are hilarious <laughs> and then when they and then you know because she put she kind of has her she's the one who kind of has her guard up she's no nonsense she has to be you know um because of who she is and and where she comes from um but it's it was fun to see kind of like does break those down a little bit she like slowly learns to trust him slowly learns how much information she wants him to have and then she like eventually realizes well he's can actually be very helpful because she doesn't know like you know because she like doesn't know who to trust and so she's like you know what do i do so like what kind of um how, i wanted to like to hear your thoughts about like how how you came up with her you know, where did you pull from? How many iterations did she go through? All that good stuff. She was going to be uh, integral and, and important to the plot from the very beginning. She is a woman in a man's world. She has a law degree. She's the legal counsel for a multinational that is essentially the banker for the world's militaries. And mm. she's, the, she's the legal counsel. She's Greek-American. Uh, um, she Her father is an incredibly imposing character yeah. uh, in, in her life and she as is you know our dads are in so many of our lives so I knew early on that I really wanted her to be really able to hold her own with Des I wanted to make sure that that the things that she does she does better than he and the things that he does he does better than she does mm-hmm. complement their skills which is why fairly early on in one of uh, an earlier draft I decided you you pointed out Two things, two things. One thing is I really wanted him to hit on her in an elevator and her, one of her bodyguards actually snickers and yeah. laughs because <laughs> right? she turns him down. And I just, I had never seen that before. I'd never seen the hero of the book just get flat, turn, <laughs> he shouldn't, he shouldn't try it. I mean, she was in an orbit he couldn't hit. Mm-hmm. And then I, re, I re, the other thing I really wanted to hit on was there's the grand conspiracy that you talked about. And at the end of the day, she solves it. Um, Des gets everybody settled down he conks some heads when he needs to and he sinks a boat when he needs to and he and he rough rough houses a couple people when he needs to and then when all that stuff's calmed down petra solves the actual problem and Mm. she's she comes up with a way to make the conspiracy go and save her company and i was i knew early on that i didn't want him mansplaining international banking to her or (laughs) you know the law to her and that um he was going to um, run downfield interference but she was going to carry the ball mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that yeah I, I noticed that too where he yeah you know he wasn't just like the muscle because he was figuring out things too and he he would realize things at very you know appropriate times um, that would help that would prove helpful instead of kind of just like captain hindsight but um, he 
he also acknowledged it too. He was like, it took me, I think some one thing he's like, it took me like a day and a half what and then to figure it out. And it took her like all of five seconds to figure it out. And I thought that was like, yeah, that was pretty awesome that he um, you know, and it wasn't just him merely being smitten because you see him like how you said, like treating all women in power with respect and um, you know, giving them their street cred, giving them like their just really not being dismissive at all, just and just like talking to them like they're the equal, like they're just like, no, here's the deal, you know, and just being straightforward with it and just like respecting them the fact that they're they're gonna get it and they're gonna be able to make decisions quick based on the information that he gives them and the interim council member or mayor at, at the other town and then there's um you know like the the detectives and law enforcement all of those it was you know they were a little perplexed by him too but i think that helped them his personality and his respect for them helped them kind of like well okay wait maybe we shouldn't maybe he's not just some bozo like from across the pond maybe he obviously he he can do some good or he could help us move things along here so i didn't want to have dumb characters i didn't want to have um dumb bad guys i didn't really want to have dumb ancillary uh, pro- uh protagonists i thought wouldn't it be fun to do a book in which everybody's relatively smart yeah um, <laughs> that's just i think that's just intrinsically more interesting so yeah yeah for sure what advice would you give to des what advice would i give to des yeah Oh, what a great question, Megan. Oh, um, <laughs> oh my God, that's such a good question. Um, oh, God, what advice would I give to Des? That is what a wonderful question. I think probably it would be something to the effect of you've run into, I've, I've, the second book is written and I'm 200 pages into the third book and you're running into the worst parts of America, Des. It ain't all like that. <laughs> my advice would be to, that, um, that um, I have, because I'm uh, an evil, terrible, terrible human being myself, I've put him in some terrible situations. And my advice to him would be, yeah, the rest of the United States isn't quite that nuts. And, and uh, chill, chill and get to know the country a bit um, before you decide that we're all really, really crazy. Because yeah. until <laughs> I put him in some bad situations. Yeah, I was going to ask about that too. Um Cause I, you know, you, you left it open ended at the end and I, you know, what other adventures are going to get, he getting into So I'm, I'm glad that, um, there's more projects with Des. So what can, uh, what, what can we expect from what we, if what, whatever you feel safe to share. <laughs> the second book is called deadlock and, um, playing on the words. He's a locks expert, uh, and uh, it's going to take place here in Portland, Oregon, which is my home. I love Portland, Oregon. It's one of the coolest cities in the whole world. I've, uh, my wife and I live in downtown Portland, and we love nice. it immensely. Um, so that's really fun. And he's he's headed up to Portland because a mate of his, the, the young woman who is the song, uh, singer, songwriter, lyricist with whom he has been jamming, mm. and her sister get into some trouble with some people who are criminal types who, A, shouldn't know each other. And according to all the records, should all be in prison right now and mm. aren't somehow. And trying to find out why this group of people who shouldn't even know each other, um, uh, a Ecuadorian thug and a knee breaker from Boston and people with really strange backgrounds who, according to the records, aren't even on the streets right now. How did they all get together and how did they get where they are? And what do they have to do with the Swan sisters and why they're uh, attacking uh, a journalist and her sister is a lyricist is how that story gets started. So that's, that was a lot of fun. And then in the third book, I take um, 
does back to England for a little while because mm. um, I wanted to do that. That'd been fun. And then I relocate the story to New Jersey and Washington, DC. And, and I keep my political themes going in, in uh, those two books as well. The kind of that real politique mm-hmm. stuff I have to do. Yeah. You know I mean? no, and that's, that's just what often if you, you know, you're looking at the big picture, like governments are going to be involved no matter what. So it's, you know, cause it was, it was, it was pretty, I love how you preface it with you're like, you're not like, you know, I don't want to isolate any audiences. And then it's one, definitely one thing I noticed too, where it's uh, leaning towards a certain, um, you know, side. It didn't really bother me, but it, maybe it's because like, I tend to agree with the side that, you know, you're leaning on. <laughs> and so, um, but I don't know, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not like we're unfamiliar with that the extreme sides of both or the extreme ends of both sides. Like we're not, you know, and you know how you kind of touch on it like the you wrote this two years ago and you see things that certain themes that and that's what a lot of you know contemporary fiction is or thrillers or anything that's not like sci-fi or fantasy will borrow from current events or depending on the time period that it's supposed to reflect I I would just say it's almost expected to to just kind of keep it rolling and like you know just keep that going and and he I love the advice that you would have for him though it's just like no like we're not you know we're not all that crazy we're not all like it's just maybe recently ever the world's been on fire so it's like (laughs) it's been like one of the things I really wanted to do is because um, I'm a fairly liberal uh, person myself, but I really, when he gets to this fictional town in the middle of California, he runs into a city council member who's a Republican and a guy who is on the chamber of commerce, who's a Republican and they're not crazy nuts. And so he's respectful of them. He doesn't mm-hmm. not a knee jerk liberal. Yeah. He's, again, these guys are they're good at what they do and they're smart and they're loyal to each other. And so I'm fine with them. Mm-hmm. And so his first his first judgment is not about where do you stand on the political spectrum. His first uh, position is, are you good at what you do? And are you loyal to anybody that you should be loyal to? Right. And if so, I'm your mate. I'm, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, there are even some instances where he, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just love this scene where he's like kind of snooping around in the bars and he's trying to work on his accent. And he just like <laughs> fails horribly. And then he goes to one bar. He's like, "Oh, like, where are you from?" Like, <laughs> he's like, "Okay, never mind." But then he switches and he says, "Like, oh, from Australia." He's like, "Oh, didn't you guys ban guns?" Like, "Oh no, that was New Zealand, the bastards." And then he goes like, again. He's like, "Oh, I'm from New Zealand." He's like, "Oh, didn't you guys ban guns?" Like, "No, that was Australia, you bastards." Like, I that was probably one of my favorite parts because it was it just really like kind of gets you it just takes it a little to the next level of the inner workings of his brain. And he's like, you know, I admire his ability to kind of like, he's a quick thinker. He, he thinks on the spot and he can, he gets himself into trouble on purpose, but he can, he's just really smooth. He's not, he's smooth in a sense of where he like, he's not worried. He can get himself out of it. And, you know, or he, ex- he, he expects to not get out of it right away like where he just you know where he knows he's gonna get cuffed like he just stands there and waits like (laughs) you know or or just you know when he's being interrogated he's like yeah there's a trick to this and and it's just (laughs) like I you know some of those parts where it was like yeah obviously I've never like seen myself in that sort of situation but it you know it made sense so that's why I was like a little curious as to how like you know, how deep did your research go? Like how many people did you need to talk to, to really like 
drive that home you know for that character because but then after hearing you know you said you, you explored so many different characteristics for him I'm glad you landed on what you did so for example if he was like a former cop he wouldn't be as wisecracking as he was it just wouldn't it mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense for his his character. And did you have any say in the cover, or what? How did that process go in picking uh, the cover? No, I I didn't. Other than they showed it to me in advance and asked me if I liked it. And the and the the cover uh, is is blacks and dark blues and lighter blues and and then actually a, a kind of a cold mint right in the middle of it too. <laughs> I've never seen before. I just think the combination is 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 swell i just i just love the, co- the cover i think they did a marvelous job of it. and i didn't really have any say in it at all um, okay so um, yeah because sometimes authors are given more of a say or they're they're a little more integral to the process so i was just um you know curious as to how that went for you yeah i love it i think it's i think it's it's a book that i would want to pick up it's a book right that yeah and that's that's important for sure especially since um I have two other books that are releasing on the same day as yours. Um, one is like a historical like account and the other is, what is it? A standalone contemporary novel, not, not like suspense thriller. It's more like modern fiction, um, which is also very nice, but yeah. So I was able to like, you know, separate all those. Cause I got like a bunch of books that I'm like reviewing, but like never had I had like, three books coming out on the same day, like having to coordinate that. And that's like, you're right about that where it has to, the covers, like they're kind of competing with each other, but they're not. It's like, you guys, you know, you don't want to compete with other releases, but you kind of are because you never know, you know, people will buy books, but you don't, it's really only if yes, the cover will get them, but you also got to give the readers like, you know, benefit of the doubt that that's not all it is. That's not all Mm -hmm. that they're trying to, you know, look for. Um, that might that's going to catch their eye for sure so but no I'm like because I'm looking at my bookshelf now and yeah all of them are very uh very different so so no that you know you may or may not have some crossover there with at least the ones that I that I'm encountering for um the same release date but any other than that are you on like do you want to share like your website or social media anything that like people can find you yeah, I'm James Byrne Mystery, B-Y-R-N-E, that's all one word, dot com. Uh, and I have not really geared it up just yet. There's the links of how to order the book and pre-order the book. And that would be great if people could pre-order the book. Yeah. And then once the book hits the stands uh, in June, on June 7th, then I'm going to start really uh, gearing up the publicity and trying to do the Twitter and the, and the Instagram. Right now, uh, I have uh, three followers, one of whom I refer to as mom. Uh, so I... <laughs> It, it, it would be a little bit of wasted ammunition at this stage and you know knock on wood it won't be in in two months yeah right. <laughs> but but jamesburnmystery.com is where you can find um the reviews that i got that are incredibly nice from some really great writers whom i just truly admire uh generous generous to a fault uh people that are, are friends of mine and people i've never met before so that's great and then links of how to order the books and uh we have um, we have lots and lots of independent bookstores in the Pacific Northwest. That's one of the things we're known for. We have six or seven or eight really good indie book bookstores here in Oregon. And there are some states that don't really have two. Yeah. Um, there's links to some indie bookstores in there as well. Okay, cool. I think I might've seen that while I was like briefly kind of like trying to, you know, just do some background searching on 
on you. Um, I think I did notice that you had a list of, of local stores for somebody who like support local. No, I love Portland. I, I actually did. I went there, um, a couple years ago. I think it was before the pandemic it had to have been, um, for a few days with like a, it was like a friend trip with me and my friend and her cousin lives out there. Um, and I just, I just remember it was like a really cool place. Like I was very comfortable and it was so walkable and, you know, I drank too much beer because it was like a brewery, like every three blocks, but that's what also Portland is known for. But I loved, you know, that we, we did go like, you know, do some, like the, we went to museums and um, we did visit Powell's. And so I, I got some new, yeah, I got some new uh, pieces that I had my eye on there, but yeah, I, you know, when you say Portland, I just, you know, no, I, I agree from the few days that I spent there, you know, it was, it was really cool and it was really fun. And, and, you know, it was just me and my friend and I felt it was just very interesting because I'm like in the Chicago area. And so it's like, I'm not trying to like be insulting or anything, but it was like, you know, you couldn't tell like necessarily like who was homeless and who like wasn't because a lot of the people just like have not like the vibe, but there's like their general style of living. And, and, you know, there is a lot of, um, you know, Portland doesn't really kick people off of like, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of tenters, but they're choosing, they're choosing that, you know, and it's like, they still have jobs or they still, you know, and it's, I just thought it was so fascinating that, you know, that's just their, um, Portland is cool with it. And then I don't know, but yeah, we went before all the, that drama went down. I don't know. I don't want to call them riots, but you know what I mean? Where there was, there was some like conflict or no. Yeah. In 2000, we had nightly protests on Black Lives Matter, very large crowds, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people, righteously angry and, and angry for the correct reasons. Unfortunately, they quite often were followed by about 100 rioters, who I believe, my personal opinion, and my newspaper, the Portland Tribune, covered all this. Uh, they, they didn't care about Black Lives Matter. They just thought they were having fun. It was mm. just like, they would come downtown, set fires, and smash windows, and destroy things. And um, there were many, many times that I would, they would be stoned white kids and who'd be yeah. shouting over black women because they didn't care about that message. They just cared about, not, this is fun. I'm having fun. Right. And unfortunately, the, um, the Black Lives Matter protests got tarred with that same unthinking brush of the later uh, riots. And so as a newspaper, we've been trying to tell people these were two independent things that were going on at the same time. One of them was quite righteous and one of them was a bunch of twerps. Yeah. Um, so um, Portland's gotten beat up a little bit. It really has. So, I mean, our homeless problem got worse during the pandemic. Mm. Uh, we had wildfires in our state really badly in yeah. 2021. Um, but uh, Katie King, my wife and I, we live downtown. We have great faith in Portland. We love it's coming back. It's going to come back stronger and more resilient than ever. And this is where we put our roots and we're really happy. We love this place. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it too. And I imagine this, how long have you been living in Portland then? Like I've forever? lived in Portland 10 years. I've lived in Oregon about 30 and my wife was born and raised here. She's okay. Local. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're super loyal and you, you, you know, you, you know, in your heart, like it's more than just a period of unrest. It's like, you know, and the same thing for like, you know, the Chicago and I'm just anywhere you go, you're going to find unflattering things. Um, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta be smart, have a good head on your shoulders and do your own research or <laughs> right. Like do your own research, ask questions. It's fine and dandy. And I like that word twerp. I haven't heard that word in a while. 
<laughs> Don't be a twerp. So James Byrne, thank you so much. We've got the gatekeeper coming out June 7th and you know, I'm excited for more does. So I'm excited that you've already <laughs> got book two and you're working on book three. That's fantastic. Um, you know, thank you so much for joining us and we'll, you know, we'll keep an eye out. Oh, Megan, this has been grand fun. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And there you have it. That's James Byrne. His novel, The Gatekeeper, is coming out on June 7th. All of his links for social media and where you can purchase the book are in the show notes. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. Check out my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. As always, feel free to reach out for any book recommendations or anything else that might be on your radar in terms of what should be on your reading list. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later.